Hey friends, welcome back to the Find and Follow podcast, where we are all about helping you find and follow Jesus in your everyday life. Got Craig and Kyle and Scott here today at the podcast HQ, uh, alive and alert. Kyle, you're on uh, like one month or so into this uh, baby. Yeah, over three weeks. I I always used to like hate it when people would be like, I'm like, how old's your kid? Oh, they're 12 and a half weeks. They're uh, right? 28 days, yeah. four like, hours. What? But I kind of get it. Like, I'm not going to be that guy. I kind of get it because it's like, oh, she's almost a month old. But then it's like weeks and months don't line up, right? You know, because our calendars are weird. Oh, man. I, I don't understand calendars. You got to get uh, Scott the human calculator yeah. on the So it's like, well, it, if it, four weeks isn't always a month, right? Because then I'm like, you know, so technically she'll be a month old on, you know, <laughs> oh, <laughs> August wow. 21st, right? How long you been up today? Yeah, I've you've been, been up, up too long yeah. thinking about this stuff. Well, it was funny because I think it was you at the other day. I was like, and, and I got a little bit of dad brain, so I was like, oh yeah, she'll be three weeks on Tuesday, is what I told you yesterday. Which is and yesterday Wednesday. was Wednesday, so she was already three weeks old. I'm like, oh yeah, today's Wednesday, uh, so I, I don't know what date is most of the time. But um, <laughs> yes, she is three weeks old, doing I, great. <laughs> that wasn't my question, but I think you did answer it thoroughly. I said, "How are you doing with the, you know, being sleepy?" I think sleepy we know everything we need yeah. to know. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it was clear. Doing so good. Doing so good. You're slightly confused about life. Oh, but, for sure. But loving life. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Last she's, night was yeah, I was up quite a bit. But she's adorable, adorable, and she's she seems like a pretty good sleeper during the day. So she you're does right on track. sleep very well during the day. <laughs> Her her biggest like awake kind of alert time is like right before bedtime right now, like late late evening is when she's like, hey, I'm awake and not sleeping, and then, yeah, sometimes she'll sleep good, sometimes not so good. Yeah, it's kind of like she's like a human. She is a human, <laughs> where we got rhythms. The good news we were just chatting right before we pushed go on this thing was, uh, if you're up at three a.m. Our time, you get to watch the Open. Yeah, the Open Championship, which is in Scotland. It's like uh, it's a golf thing. Oh, if people yeah, aren't keeping up. You know, it's different time zone stuff, and so it's like, oh yeah, that's on TV at three in the morning. It's live there. So turn it on. Turn it on. Catch a few yeah. uh, players going at it. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a fun thing. It's it's uh, 150 years. 150, and they've points. missed a few. Um, but so try to do some math on that. But I, I think it's like 1860s or so. Yeah. They, they've uh, been playing. There was in the first one, I think they saw a little history re- recap. They did like seven guys, I think, in the first one. And it wasn't at St. Andrews where it is now because that course wasn't even around yet. But um, anyways, it was for the to be the, the champion of golf or the golfer champion right what help me out here yeah you know? I, I don't know a lot about the history either yeah. yeah so they're they're the the champion golfer i think was what they were going for and they were going for a belt they literally won like a like wwf style <laughs> belt uh in that first decade or so to be the champion golfer so now they're still like when they show current players that are playing in the open that have won they're the champion golfer of like 1995 cuz they kind of think golf, you know, Scotland's like the center of golf, and so everything revolves around golf. <laughs> uh, there, we <coughs> we kind of have a different perspective. We think everything revolves around America, in the U.S. But you get outside of our uh, little zone here, people well, think it's different. Because growing up, I always called it the British Open, right? Because there was the U.S. Open, because but it's always been the Open Championship, and the Open Championship it's open, so it's it's not locked down. So they invite amateurs and stuff like that, and the history and all that kind of stuff, but. Um, 
they're like, no, 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 this isn't the British you Open in the U.S. You Open. You can't, can't take it from us. It. It's the Open. This is our thing. It's golf's thing. And then, yeah, the U.S. Like, if GA. you walked into a pub in England, I think, and said, oh, yeah, is the, is the British Open happening today? Like, you might get punched. Yeah, for you sure. Know? <laughs> you might get, like, some definitely some looks. We, as our family, we've been, um, we had four golf tournaments and a triathlon this last week. So we've been deep into uh, the sporting life, which has been super fun. Uh, Wyatt's playing junior golf, and he had a two-day tournament, which he's never done the district tournament, which is back-to-back days. So that was pretty fun. Uh, He did say, Dad, next year we should – it was 30 minutes out of town. It was up at Stone Ridge in Blanchard, Idaho. And he goes, Dad, next year we should just stay here, like, overnight. I had two thoughts of thought. Yep, that's a great idea. Gosh, golf's expensive. (laughs) If you start, like, thinking that way. Uh, but it's uh, it's golf season. Craig, when's the last time you played golf? I can't think back that far. Okay. Got any desire? Not really. Nothing. Okay. Nope. Yeah. It's. I think it's a golf's a thing. I think people listen in. You you're in or you're out. There's no there's no real casual people. There's a, there's the every now and then golfer like yeah I own a set of clubs in the golf in the in the garage that's collecting dust and I'll go once a year. Yeah, I think those are rare people. I think people uh-huh. are way out. I think people will be like, oh, I haven't played in a couple of years. I would put you in the you're out category. you got to be playing a couple times a year for in my book to be like Oh, yeah, because it's not enjoyable if you do that because it's a hard sport. It's one of those things, the game of nuances. So it's like, yeah, I haven't played in a couple of years. You go out there, you're probably not going to have much fun. It's pretty just frustrating. It's going to be frustrated. The whole pretty time. frustrating. Uh, yeah. It's like a lot of things where if you're not doing it regularly, it's... It's difficult to find a rhythm, so. I can't think back as far as I would need to to remember who I was golfing with, where I golfed, or, you know, any of that. But I do remember this about my last golf experience. It was very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> that was very familiar. That's real clear. Yeah. Kyle, you've been on a bit of a golf hiatus. Uh, I Again, to the conversation we had last time on the podcast, I feel bad for saying three weeks of not playing golf. Some people are like, get out of here, you spoiled little... Yeah, uh, but yes, I haven't played golf for three weeks, and it feels like, I mean, I'm in the summer, I'm a every week golfer, at least, sometimes multiple times, uh, so yeah, not playing golf for three weeks feels weird. Feels like three months of bad. Yes. All right, well, who knows, maybe that'll change for you <laughs> in the near future. <laughs> but uh, we're jumping in, if you've been following along, we're jumping in, um, Matthew chapter 9, just following Kind of really still in the early part in the scope of Jesus's public ministry and what he's got going on. Um, a lot happens. Like we've talked about that many times. John says it, and I'm sure that all the other disciples would echo it. Like, dude, if we wrote down everything, every conversation, everybody who, when we were passing by on the road, stopped and talked with Jesus, or we saw somebody in need and we took time and he healed them and we t- you know, we wrote down every detail of every teaching experience and everything that he said. Like, there wouldn't, there, we wouldn't have enough paper. Like, I wonder legit if they didn't have enough resources. Because you got to think, it's a whole different world. You don't have unlimited digital ability to record. They didn't have the things. printing press. They didn't have, like, paper off the shelf. So they did have limited, like, what we can record on, maybe. I don't know. Like, but anyways, there's a lot that's happened. And we get some of the, the cool, cool highlights. I was just even thinking from last week, thinking back, like we talked about a dead girl coming back to life. And we talked about it, I think, pretty casually 
Like, we, like we got to slow down on that and go. There was a girl who was was he twelve? Did he get an age? I can't remember. But a young girl who was dead. Dad had like left in the middle of the funeral. Was like crisis mode. But if I find Jesus, he can bring life to her, and she comes back to life. And I was just like, I think we brushed by that a little too quick, a little too quick. But just phenomenal. We're gonna see today how. Couple of blind guys, a mute guy, like just Jesus taking care of people's spiritual needs, physical needs, emotional needs. Um, so, anyways, I just was reflecting on that, going, "That's phenomenal." Like, we just should be able to slow down and and simmer on that. Go, who else is bringing dead people back to life? Nobody I know of. Yep. Nobody in history that I Jesus. Yeah. And and then last week heard a lot from folks about um, iPhones and there's there's a pickup thing and how many times you pick your phone that's come across. Did have a lot of conversations this last week around that topic of us. Hey, thanks for pointing that out, guys. Appreciate appreciate that guilt trip a little bit. Looking at how often and I think about it now every time I pick it up. For, when yep. I pick it up for a reason that's like nonsensical, like I drive in at a stoplight and I'm like oh, I should look at the weather or something. I just like. I, now I think about it, I'm like, why am I picking my well, phone up? And that's a pickup. Like, why did I do that? I don't need to do that. Do you think of it as like like someone's keeping track? Like there's actually a per like you know it's your phone and it's just a metric there that's keeping track, but you, there's a little for me, there's a little bit of an accountability, like, oh, somebody's watching. Yeah. Like an account nobody's count accountable. Like nobody's looking. Yeah. When I, yeah, well, Big Brother is watching. Well, yeah, they're always listening. And I wouldn't say like guilt, but it's like, oh man, that that number because again, some of the people we talk to like look at it like, oh, that number's way too high. It shouldn't be that high. And, uh, uh, I got a text, a screenshot, three eighteen. Whoa! Just as just yesterday at like six thirty seven. Whoa! They were at three eighteen. Wow! And still climbing for the day. Oh yeah, just Not for that one average. day. Oh no. Six thirty seven a.m. No, no. But I do think the the first pickup was like three a.m. Wow. Anyways. So yeah, then I'm like, oh well, my number was pretty high. Like, and then. In like regards to my friends and where they're at, you know, and the people we've talked to, it's like, oh dang, I added another one on there, <laughs> and I didn't need to. Which is good. Is yeah, I think that's the point. It's helpful. Is this something that is needed in kind of a quality of my life and what I'm doing, or is it just kind of the default escapism? And so being more, I think it's going to help us to be more present with people and be more present in the world. It's kind of the difference between I think for me like watching a movie or reading a book, there's a different pace of life and it slows you down mentally and emotionally as you're reading versus watching something. Because watching things, they can move so fast. Everything can be so high emotion, high drama, high uh, intensity, high. And so just everything's really high, high sadness or high, um, you know, just like uh, just the the cringiness of the moment. Like, oh, this is hard. Cringiness. Yeah, I was looking. I don't know what word I was trying to get there, but you know what I mean? Where you just, like, feel the all the stuff. Um, it's slower when you're reading, and it changes. So I think it's the same with phones, if we can, if we can kind of give them a rest at, at times. But let's jump in here, scriptures. Uh, so Jesus, kind of, like, in the middle there, I feel like it's the same day. I mean, maybe I'm misreading here. Chapter 9, verse 27, like the dead girl comes back to life. Jesus walks down from there, 
down the street. I don't know how far he went. He went on from there. He go to a different town. And two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on his son of David, this title of the Messiah. That's a messianic phrase, yes. Yeah, they were they were clued in on who Jesus Apparently. is. Yeah. And so I just, like, did they, he step right out from the funeral, and then two blind guys saw him? Did they hear a story? Like, did the blind guys have guides lead them over to Jesus? Did they just listen for the crowd and and kind of find their way over to him? Uh, and they followed him all the way to wherever Jesus was staying. He, Jesus went indoors, and then they, again, ambushed Jesus wherever. They went right into the house. I guess. Were they invited it, in? That's what it says. Right? I think it just, I mean, it. you see multiple stories of this. I think it's similar to... Um, you know, the father of this daughter who's in desperation mode, who's like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. And I, I think we see that kind of pursuit in this this desire to, to get well, to get healed, and this faith that Jesus is the one that can do it. So we're going to do whatever it takes. I mean, it, it does read a little stalkerish, right? Like, right after Jesus, um, the NLT says, after he left the girl's home, they start following him. They're just... I get this picture, they're just like right behind him, and they're just yelling, they're, hey, hey, help us, help us, Jesus, help us. And Jesus is walking home, he's done with this funeral thing that he just did, and they just, I'm, I'm, I get this picture of two guys following him, go, hey, help us, Jesus, help us. Hey, Jesus, would you help us? Hey, can you help us? Jesus, can you help us? And then he gets kind of settled in where he's staying, and uh, then I love the question that he asks. I think we talked about this last week. He's, he wants to get down to the, the question of their faith. Do you, do you believe this is possible? Do you believe that I'm the one who can make you well? Do you believe that I can make you see, that I can give you what you want? Um, he asked that question, I think, to, to, to see where's your faith at. Do you think they were at the funeral? There's been, a chance uh, that maybe they're at the funeral. So if not, maybe they're aware of it or something. They heard the report, and they go, Dude, dude's bringing dead p- girl back to life. Uh, I think he can help us with the blindness part. And I love it that it's two guys. And he's addressing both of them. And then they reply together, yes, Lord. Like, I, I think that's interesting that their faith is like a, a we more than a me. Uh, I love that communal part. And I think, because I, I just think we operate too much in isolation as people as a whole, and then when we co- go to follow Jesus, it's a lot of me. Um, we have people around us, but I love it that it's a, it's a we thing. It's kind of a unique, I think, encounter with Jesus that it's two people that are blind, and they both are like, yeah, we're in this together. And he, he, he goes, yeah. He touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, it'll be done. And that's, that's one of those interesting ones. We've covered it many a times, I think, on the podcast, but like, is it the power of God? Is it their level of faith? What if they didn't believe? Like, you know, is it more of a reward-based system with Jesus versus a gift? Um, how do you, Craig, how do you help us with that With when people go, oh, yeah, you just aren't healed because you don't have enough faith. Um, it's by your faith you're healed, and they take that to uh, a measure of faith, and your faith is weaker. I have a greater faith than you or more faith than you, and so I can receive blessings from God, and you can't because of your faith level when they would maybe take something like that and leverage that for a teaching. Well, there's no getting around the fact that the presence of faith in our lives is a factor. I think it's important not to take it to the extreme that it's the only factor or the main factor. So if it isn't happening, whatever it is that you're wanting, 
that it is number one primarily or maybe even exclusively because of the lack of your faith. That, that would be an extreme that I don't think is present in Scripture. Paul certainly had plenty of faith, and he prayed three times about whatever his thorn in the flesh was, and God said, no, I'm not doing that. Um, you know, my grace is sufficient for you, and as a matter of fact, it's going to be to your benefit for me, you know, to leave that in your life because it'll cause you to depend on me. So, so there are other factors, not just faith, but then there are a couple of places where it references the fact that Jesus could not do many miracles in his own hometown, and it was specifically because they, the people didn't have faith in him. And, and, and the scripture points that out. And, and Hebrews 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith is essential. Faith is basic. Jesus says so in this case, because of your faith, direct correlation, cause and effect. One is the reason for the other. Um, and he says that numerous times. Um, I think he said that in the case of the woman that pressed through the crowd and touched the, his cloak. I'm not sure if it's actually in... Uh, let's see. Yep, he says, yeah, there it is right there. Your faith has made you well. So that's a very common declaration on Jesus' part. So he's pointing out the, the fact that faith is, is directly related to results. And a faith is, for me, is more a trust and a confidence in the power and ability of God. So if we take faith as in like something I own and possess and therefore it has power to do things... I think that's when it gets a little crazy and a little bit too extreme and wonky and kind of misleading. Like, um, just reading in uh, at the table this morning about Jesus just warning of like false teachers, you know. And I think that's where it's like it's so it's so close to the truth and it's kind of clever that it, but it can come from the enemy really. And so it's not this direct like Jesus isn't real false teacher. It's hey, if you possess enough faith, you'll have the power to do great things in your life. Right. Like, wait, that's a me-centered life. That's a me-power life. That's not a less of me, more of God life. That's not this thing. Is like, gee, they're at Jesus' feet going, you do it because you have the power, not we have a power. Exactly. If we had a power, we wouldn't be here. Yep. We wouldn't need you. Yeah, and faith itself is a gift from God. Um, there's, uh, and I, I think you just referenced it, alluded to it. I don't know where it is, but to every man has been given a measure of faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, Romans. Uh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of our listeners will look that up. <laughs> Google that. <laughs> there you go. Um, but then, actually, this Sunday, I'm speaking out at uh, Airway Heights at my friend's church, and my text is um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And in 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And what is the that? Well, grace clearly is not what is being specifically referred to because grace, obviously, by definition, is from God. That's his grace extended to us. It's the faith. The faith with which I believe God's grace is in itself a gift from God. And then it goes on and says why that's how it is so that nobody would boast. So, so God extends the grace. That's the free gift. And the faith with which we believe in his grace, is also a gift from him. It's all his doing. Yeah, and I think that it's important. I mean, it's got kind of back to the the origin of the question with this idea of like, well, I'm praying for this thing and it's not happening. Is it because I lack the faith? Or like, I believe God can do this. And you know, like, why won't he? And then do we question our, do we struggle to question, you know, is God who he is, says he is? Then it, do I not have faith in this idea uh, of that, and I think it goes back. I mean, conversation like we had uh, on the podcast when when Stephen Ramirez was here, when we talk about this idea that 
like we're trusting in God and we're trust, trusting in God's promises um, in the big picture and that we would like pray for these things. And like, I still have faith in God, even if these like these blind guys, like I still trust that you were the king of the universe, even if I don't get sight to my eyes, like that's still faith. Um, and I, I think we look at scripture holistically and Craig you pointed to the different places and I think of like Luke 11 where um, Jesus tells the parable of like, hey, if you're, he uses this idea of persistence and understanding like that we would continue to have faith. And he uses the example of like, hey, if you needed something from your neighbor and you just kept knocking on their door in the middle of the night, they're probably going to get up and come just because you keep knocking. And they're like, hey, I, I just want to get you out of here. Like, and he's like, that's a crude example of how your neighbors in there, they don't even love you like God loves you. Right. But we, God wants... We call the cops on you <laughs> yeah. as neighbors. Get out of here. <laughs> I can see you on my ring camera. And, I'm, you know... Just, uh, just talk just to talk it. Through cops it, are on away. their way. Get out of here. Did they have ring cameras back then? No, definitely not. It's the Holy Spirit back then. <laughs> I, it's probably they didn't even have doors all the time. But um, it's like, what are you knocking on? The wall of the hut. I don't know. Um, I think there were doors. Oh, for sure. Out. I don't think everybody had a door. Dude, I went. I don't even know if this is good. <laughs> but I, <laughs> last week I was at a golf. I was at a lot of golf courses last week. Last week at a golf course, went into the men's room, and you go in. First thing on the left was the you know couple stalls, and the first stall was the handicap stall. So it's extra large and longer, and the doors open out. Walk in the door, look. You know you just can't not look because the door is wide open. Look to the left. Handicap was wide open, and there's a guy sitting there. And I was like, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> I was like, why is not the door closed? And so I just shut the door, like, as I walk by. Like, what do you do? Just react. Just, like, shut the door, you know, and uh, uh, get back, you know, do my business, done. <laughs> Leaving, the door was open again. Like, it didn't latch or something. I don't know. It was like, come on, man. Use a door. Doors are good. Wow. Okay. So we got from knocking on the door and you asking You said they don't Jesus. have doors. I'm thinking, wow. I'm so, glad we do have doors. Yes. I was just in a situation where we didn't have a door going and like, come on, close so, the door. So once again, I want to welcome our listeners to the Find and Follow podcast. Yeah. Where you Everyday can count life. on us to tell awkward stories. <laughs> I was just serving the guy. Uh, I just shut the door. Just yeah, trying to help uh -huh. him out here. Okay. Oh, I see what trying to do Thank there. Jesus for doors. Um, <laughs> but Luke, Luke 11, I'll get it back to this, this uh, parable I was talking about. Luke 11, 8 says, I tell you this, uh, though he won't do it for friendship's sake. If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence, is the way NLT describes it. And then verse 9, he relates that to God. Um, I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks the door will be open. Uh, so th this idea of, because I think, again, to Jesus' question to the men, this idea of persistence, it goes to show our faith. The fact that I'm praying and trusting and believing in God who he is and what he can do and what he's willing to do and a big picture that even if he doesn't he still is good and even if it doesn't go the way i think it should god is bigger than me smarter than me infinitely more wise and loving than me and i trust and have faith that he knows what he's doing uh and i hope sometimes that you know it's that my loved one will not be sick anymore that um I could get more sleep at night and that he would bless me with a child who stops crying and that, all, you know, all these things takes my pain away. I'm, you know, praying for 
this good outcome in this thing and that thing. And so, um, but at the end of the day that I trust that God knows what he's doing and that he's got a plan and um, I will do my best to love him no matter what. So I think the tension of, it takes us being active and being persistent and asking and trusting and having confidence that God can do and um, sometimes does, but even if he doesn't, I'm still going to follow. But it also is the, settling into the fact that God's sovereign and he can do what he wants and uh, it's up to him. Um, and so it's not the either or. And I think if you find yourself on one of those extremes or someone is on one of those extremes of, of you know, you're not, you're not doing enough and you don't have enough faith and you're not good enough, then therefore for God to give you something or what's the matter? It doesn't even matter if we do anything. Like yeah. those are scary spots to find ourselves yeah. drifting towards those extremes. Yeah, I, I agree, Scott. And, and, we need to keep all of those various parts of how faith works in our lives uh, in our thinking. It's not just the persistence, like, if I just twist his arm long enough, I'll get what I want. It's not just, well, if I have enough faith, I'll get what I it, It's all those things um, together. And I, I think really the upshot of all that is it's a relationship. I think sometimes we forget that faith is not this tool that we use to manipulate the cosmic forces of the universe to get an outcome. Right. No, we're in, in a relationship with a person, a God who loves us, cares about us, and who values faith. For sure he does. We've already made that point. Um, but, but it's a relationship. And, and in any relationship, there's give and take and adjustment and interaction and and faith works that same way in our lives. Yeah, and trusting in, in that belief and I, I don't know which interaction one of the one of the blind men or lepers that Jesus heals. I constantly have a prayer life with God that, this way that God, I know you can. I absolutely believe you can. I pray that you would. I pray that you will because that's what I want, and I hope that lines up right. Like I, there's no doubt in my mind that you could heal whatever it is that I'm going through. No doubt. I I 100 I do believe that. Uh, I just pray that you would, and sometimes He doesn't. Yeah. And I I still trust that. That doesn't mean that He can't in my mind. That doesn't mean that He. Um, isn't capable and powerful. It just means that I don't know why. Yeah. And I would never, might not ever know why. Craig, to your point, it's like for us, if we have someone in our life who just shows up, whether in person or via phone or a text, when they need something from us, like what kind of relationship is that if they're just always leveraging, like, hey, do you still have that thing? Can I borrow it? Or, hey, are you busy? Could you help me? Like, are, we, are let's we be honest, friends? we all have, we all know people like that. Yeah, but then yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, they're friends and they're really close friends and I'm so excited when they're reaching out. Like, if again, if that's our take with God, it's like, okay, what can I get from you? Yeah. We're kind of missing it. Yep, absolutely. Uh, we have yeah, this, and it's a, it's a shallow relationship and I think a lot of the times that's where a lot of us maybe start and where we find Jesus is in the desperation Right, and, and nothing wrong with that. At, at all. Where else should you go when you're desperate? Yeah. Let's go to God. But then if that's the, I mean, that's that's the way I viewed my relationship with Jesus for so long in my early life. It's like I was told that when you need something, you pray, and he helps you, like, for everything. I'm like, God, uh, help me with this test. Cool. And that was all the depth of my relationship. But to your point, Scott, like, as we play that out in our actual life, like, how shallow would that relationship be if the only time your best friend texts you was when... Like, hey, uh, can I can I get ten more bucks, man? Uh, can you buy me some Taco Bell today? Hey, uh, can I borrow your lawnmower? And that's it. They never called to say, hey, can we hang out? Hey, can we, you want to go to the movie? I'm, we're going down. We're going over to Nadine's. You want to come with us? 
Yes. Like, we got this thing. We're doing a thing. We're going golfing. I need a fourth in my... Yes. Not like, hey, uh, hey, can I borrow the golf cart? I'm going with four other guys to go golfing, and I need the golf cart that I know you have. <laughs> That's the only relationship that we have with... Well, I person. do send that text out to people at times. Yeah, but, but you also send the text out like, hey, you want to be my fourth? We, we're friends. I have yes. had both of those texts from you. Like, hey, I know the golf cart's not being used today. Could I use it? But I've also had the, hey, if you would like right. to be the fourth. I want to circle back to something you said, uh, Kyle, um, how you're absolutely 100% convinced that God can. You just don't know if he will. And I, there's a nuance there that is right where I often find myself walking or living and and and, and a nuance that I wrestle with in my own relationship with the Lord. 100% convinced he can, but there's something to be said about being 100% convinced that he's going to this time yeah, right now. It's good. Like, like in this moment. Um, when, when Peter and John were on their way up to, to pray and there was the guy that was lame sitting there by the... And Jesus, or Peter says, silver and gold I have I none, because the guy had asked for money. He says, but in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Now, he's, Peter's not just absolutely 100% convinced that Jesus can. He's also 100% convinced that Jesus is going to in that moment. And he grabs a guy by his hand and he stands up. And, and again, I, we want to be careful. not to. It's not a formula kind of thing. But, but I think there's another layer there that you know, faith is energized and and grows and it's activated yep. within our hearts our, our confidence in God takes on a new dimension when yeah I'm 100% convinced that he can and I'm also 100% convinced that he's going to in this situation yeah that's good and I think and I've I've and I don't always have that yeah I don't either but I you and I both have had that where I'm thinking right now we have 62 middle school and high school students at summer camp and I know last night they were being prayed over by their leaders and I've had Many a moments where I, I knew the Holy Spirit was saying, this is something that I'm healing them of this of this thing, right? And I, I think in that moment, that's a I've had experiences like like Peter had where I said, hey, God's healing you right now. Like, this is this is happening. We are praying for this, and God is going to heal whatever this is, whether it's ment- mental, physical, spiritual, um, that just, you know, we just got done at Mission Church on Sunday mornings talking about uh, the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think there's absolutely those moments where God says, this God speaks, God moves in whatever way it is that this is what's happening, this is what the Holy Spirit's doing, and to have that faith to exercise going, hey, this is what God is doing. And Yeah. Um, I had a word experience uh, in, in a situation years ago where I'd have been, I had been invited to speak at a men's thing on a Saturday morning, and so Friday night I'm preparing my thoughts and writing down a few notes and, and praying for the meeting the next day, and it was at a group of men at another church. I didn't know anybody that was going to be there. I just, I was a guest speaker, and the Lord I impressed upon my heart that there was going to be a, a guy there the next morning who is involved in a, an affair. He's having an adulterous relationship. And I want you to um, mention that so he'll know that I know that I'm real, that I'm paying attention to what his choices and what's going on in his life, and then um, invite him to, to come after the meeting is over and, and pray for him. And I'm thinking, what? I'm not doing that, right? That's awkward. This is a bunch of guys I don't know, and that's pretty brazen and that's really in your face and it's like ah but as I prayed about it I became not only 100% convinced that God was speaking to me that he was actually saying that but that that was supposed to happen and was going to happen the next morning so I I shared with a group of guys and then as I um, got ready to close in prayer I I shared with them what I just said and I said so if that's you um, 
you know, after we dismiss, feel free to come up and, and talk to me. I'm supposed to pray for you. And so we, the meeting was dismissed, and people started to leave, and pretty soon this guy came wandering up to me, and he said, I'm that guy. Would you pray for me? It's just like, wow. And I was just convinced that that guy was there and that God was speaking to him. Whether he'd come up and talk to me or not, I don't know, but that's what God put on my heart. So those are powerful things. They don't happen. They're not everyday occurrences, but... But then exercising that faith to be that guy that stands up there and says that, right? Like, this is God, and God, I believe that God spoke to me, you know? And, you know, we have those moments as speakers quite often. What happens the night before, for us, a lot of times in the moment, right? For me, it's like, I didn't plan this part of my message, but God's, you know, I believe there's someone, you know? And and for that, like, yeah, there's exercising their faith. Like, I could look like some idiot up there saying, like, what is this guy talking about? That's nobody here. And, and so to exercise that, like, I believe that God communicates and God is speaking to you and God is doing things uh, in your life. And, and again, in this idea of the spiritual gifts, it's not about me and making me special. It's about the gift through me that God is doing. And he is powerful and he can speak. And yep. we believe that. Yeah, and he, <clears throat> he healed two blind guys. Like, it happened. We, you know, back to the, is it, is it co- confidence that he can and will he right now? He did. You know what I mean? To look at what Jesus did. Uh, there's a time when Paul was walking in, in Lystra with his crew, and there was a crippled guy in the feet from lame from birth. And it says, Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had the faith to be healed. How do you see that? Again, that, that's a, that's a, the Holy Spirit. Yep. Craig, how do you see that there's a guy having an affair and needs to be repentant and prayed for? You didn't see him having an affair. You saw through the Spirit. I had no so, idea who he was or what his name was. Right. And then, so, so... Paul calls out, stand up on your feet, and that man jumped up and began to walk, like lame from birth, gets up and walks. And there again, Paul not only had 100% confidence that Jesus could do that for this man, but he had 100% confidence it was going to happen right then. And in then that he moment. has the faith. I can't imagine, I mean, I, I don't know if I walked up to someone and I'd be like, hey, I believe that Jesus is going to heal you. Stand up and walk. Like, I can't, jerk. I've been crippled in my feet right. from birth, right? But like. That's the for me. That's the distinction between you would approach that with that kind of attitude or whatever from Kyle's ability, Absolutely, Kyle's yeah. power, Kyle's faith. Yep. That's not the faith in Christ. Confidence in God, Holy Spirit directing, leading. Like, tell this guy to stand up and walk. Because yep. God sees his heart, He knows. So Paul knows because God knows, and so Jesus knows that these guys have faith uh, to be healed. And then He says, "Don't tell anybody." Wait, how do you go about yeah. <laughs> not telling him? But you just, can you see? Um, no, I can't see right now. Like, wait, your eyes are open and you're walking around like you're not blind anymore. Yeah, I'm not supposed to tell you. Yeah. But <laughs> wait, you're driving the car now. Like, can you see? Yeah, I can see. Actually. We talked about this a little bit last week, right? This yeah. idea, it's like, Jesus did this a lot. and He did do it a lot. He's just trying not to get it going too crazy too fast. Right. Yeah, and the religious leaders and, hey, I still, it, you know, he talks about this. Hey, now is not my time. You know, this is, because again, Jesus thoughtfully managed out how this was going to work and he knew that the, the end game was death and resurrection and um so i think yeah managing like hey if you go tell everyone the religious leaders are going to catch wind of this too soon and i got some work to do before you know we're all finished um but yeah it's, it's so such it's a, celebrityism is it like celebrity shows up at a restaurant and, right. so, and somebody recognizes them like servers like hey are you yeah but don't don't go back and tell the whole kitchen crew and don't tell and then all of a sudden like people from the kitchen are TMZ coming out there and all the tables know and then everyone it ruins their dinner ruins their time but do you think anybody ever took jesus 
seriously and did I mean not that they weren't taking him seriously, but do you think anyone was ever actually able to not tell? They had this dramatic life transformation. No, and they I didn't uh, tell anybody. No. I mean, right? how do you not? Because Jesus in the good, like I spoke on Sunday about the goodness of God. He's taking care of their spiritual needs. They have a redemption internally. He's taking care of their physical needs. They were lame from birth. They couldn't see. They had, uh, we're going to get to the demon possession here. They have a radical change. Everybody's going to know. You say nothing, people are going to look at you and go, yeah. you're different. Your life yep. is different. Yep, and what happened? You yep. encountered this Jesus from Nazareth guy? Because I've heard about him showing up and dead people are rising. People are seeing uh, people are hearing about the kingdom of God, the goodness of God, the love of God. So Yeah, and people are going to ask. The, the, we talked about this last week, the power of our testimony. Again, I think about the, the middle school and high school students who are up at camp right now, the, the people who have come through our freedom ministry, and they interact with people, and they go, man, there's something different about you. Why are you, why are you saying no to these things to be more healthy in life? Well, because Jesus has given me health and healing and wholeness. Why are you treating people differently? Why are you more loving? Why are you more forgiving? Like, why do you just have a different aura and confidence about who you are and how you carry? Like, you're going to want to explain, like, the best thing that's ever happened to me happened to me through the power of Jesus. And I'm not going to just sit here and pretend that everything is the same because, no, my life is abundant and better. And we want to share that. And yeah, and he's just trying to slow the roll on the craziness of the crowds. Yeah, right. Getting because it it's going to restrict his ability to move around, show up at festivals, going to different going to different towns because too much too right. much celebrity, too much fame. So the blind guys go and and chat it up. I mean, they're spreading the news all over. And when they left, it says a demon possessed man who couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. So it doesn't tell us who brought him, but he's being brought by someone. And no doubt that is a demonstration of the faith of that someone or someones who have confidence that if they get the guy to Jesus, then Jesus can do whatever the guy needs. And whether they know if he's demon-possessed or not, we don't know, but they surely know that he can't speak. And why he can't speak, we don't, we don't know physically anything about that except that it was demonically caused. I and just imagine the blind guys are holding the door open of the house while the demon-possessed guy is like getting ushered in. Well, that was Jesus' public yeah, ministry. They, it was a revolving door. After Jesus left the funeral, he gets... I mean, that's that's how I read it, too. Jesus left here into door. this, to the, into this, into... I mean, yeah, and I, I think there's purpose in that. Again, we, we know of this short period of time in his adult ministry life after his baptism to his death that all this kind of stuff happens. I can only imagine it's day after day after day, hour after hour after hour, minute after minute after minute of constant, you know, people hearing about this, the word spreading, people wanting to hear he, him speaking messages, him teaching people, him doing amazing things. And, you know, that's why there's times where all the gospel authors say he went away. He, uh, you know, got some quiet time. He, he went and spent time with God. He w- went by himself on the boat, right? Those types of things where he's, yeah, I can only imagine it's constant. Hey, Jesus, we have something else that's going on that we want you to do. And they, uh, you know, he cast the demon out in the guys speaking. And we kind of get more from um, the crowd's reaction in this account than that, that guy's experience and what he was going through and how his life was radically changed and different. And he's talking and free from spiritual oppression and um, demonic forces and in his right mind and probably put his confidence and faith in the one who freed him. And so he's following Jesus, I assume. Uh, but we get the crowd's response. And before we get there, though, this the reality of what's going on in that guy's physical life, um, I think for us, like he had a spiritual issue going on. 
not a physical issue. Like the physical issue was the manifestation. He couldn't talk. He had a spiritual issue. issue. And I think for us, a lot of times we see symptoms and they're really spiritual issues, but we're trying to solve them humanly. Yep, it's good. And so we need, I'm going to put my disclaimer out there so we can kind of hopefully, if you're listening and you want a discount, we need doctors, we need help, we need therapists, we need some medicines. My son takes uh, medicine for his epilepsy uh, each and every day, twice a day. So get all that out there. Hopefully he's taking it at camp. Remember hopefully. your meds. I do. I do. <laughs> the nervous dad in me is like, I should text somebody. Um, sunscreen, take your, like hydrate, take your medicine, uh, be healthy. Um, but there's a lot going on spiritually yep. in our lives and people's lives around us that we're trying to fix humanly. Yep. And it's really a spiritual issue. And I, I just don't hear enough of we're fasting and praying about that. We're seeking God's healing. It's more we're trying to solve it through we're going to go see a therapist. We're going to go see we got to get a different medicine to, to balance out. Um, I need need to resolve it on some human level. We need to buy this product, or yeah, it's we need pretty, to... pretty unusual for us to hear a story of a situation like that where the person says, "Yeah, um, yeah, I got prayed for, or I prayed, and uh, the demon was cast out of me, and now everything's good." We yeah. those those stories just don't. I don't hear them. Yeah, and I mean, at, at the risk of sounding just so uh, religious and Christianese, right? That the you know we don't need this we need jesus right but like i mean i think i got a text this morning from one of our youth leaders that keep talking about summer camp because it's awesome and it's amazing and their students are there um that's what they talked about last night and jared texted me you know he talked about this idea that specifically with young people uh suicide and mental health and all these kinds of things are crazy rampant in our society and lots of people tell you that's because of this or that and it's a spiritual issue and it really so, is so students last night were hearing you need Jesus to heal you of that. You don't need more drugs. I mean, again, those things are great. Therapy is phenomenal. We need more Christian counselors. We've been talking about that. We need all of that, but you got to seek Jesus. He's the one who can cast out the demons. He's the one who can help you with your spiritual, your disconnect in your soul and your mind and your body that's that's jacked up because of your experiences or because of what you think. You, you need that first. Other things can help, absolutely, and God has blessed us with those avenues, but if you're not seeking the, the healing power of Jesus to make your mind right, you're you're missing out on the, the, what you need. I, I think you hit the nail on the head uh, with the comment that you need to seek Jesus first, and, and I think that's what it is. It's not either or. It's not, well, I'm going to go to the doctor or I'm going to go to Jesus, but I'm not going to do both. No, you can do both, and, and you should do both, um, but the point is, you go to Jesus first. You're putting him at the top of your list of persons that you look to and resource, resources that you tap into. Um, in fact, there's a story in the Old Testament of a king who got sick, and he went to the doctors rather than seeking God, and God responded to that and disciplined him for that. It's like, yeah, no, you, it's fine that you went to the doc, but you didn't seek me. And so I, I think there's an important balance there. I, I think it's also important for us not to have our listeners think that um, we're saying that in every case where there's something going on in the physical, that it's automatically a demon-produced um, or a demon-influenced thing. It's not always true. And, and many people that Jesus healed of sicknesses, he didn't cast demons out of them. But sometimes it was demon-instigated or demon-fueled or demon-caused, and, 
And so the real root cause Jesus would deal with by casting that demon out. Yeah. In some cases, not in every case, we're certainly not suggesting Absolutely, that it is yeah. every case. I, I, I love that. I like that you make that point. I always say it this way. I think, I think we do it one of two ways. We overemphasize and give too much power to the enemy, to Satan and demons. Everything is a demon. Everything is Satan. Right. He, Satan made me do it. Satan, uh, all the, we either overemphasize it or we drastically underemphasize it and yeah. don't understand that there is a real enemy and we need to have the power of Jesus and we need to be aware. We need to be aware that there is an enemy who's on the prowl and we, we have power. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's either one or the other. Yep. Most of the time. I agree. That entirely. we need to have a, a healthy awareness that. Yeah, not every spiritual, not every mental health thing or, or struggle is a demon type thing, but um, we also need to be aware that there is a, a, a spiritual presence in our world that we often don't understand and look at. Yep. And then in verse 34, it says, the Pharisee said, he casts out demons because he is empowered by the prince of demons. There's a lot we could say about that, and I know we're running out of time on the podcast today, but the one thing I think is notable is uh, the Pharisees aren't rejoicing that the guy can actually speak. They're not rejoicing uh, if they know about the blind men, that the blind men can now see. No, they're jealous of the fact that Jesus has a following, so they're finding a way to criticize him rather than embracing the obvious, wonderful result that this person can speak and the demon's gone from their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's the nature of religiousness. It, it misses the point. And we'll get there. Jesus in the chapter 12 is the same thing. It's like a house divided can't stand. When Jesus shows up, the demons go. There ain't there ain't room in the house for both of us. Right. And so it doesn't work if it's a demon casting out a demon. You're working against yourself. So. Yeah. But I love that point that you make, right? Because how, how, how often do we have that posture that the Pharisees have? Instead of rejoicing with the beautiful life change, we have a a jealous attitude or a like, wait, no, that shouldn't work. Well, why did they get that? Or, or again, I think of like the prodigal son issue of like, I'm not celebrating and rejoicing. I'm like looking at me and going, yep. well, no, it shouldn't work that way. Or that's not the way we do it around here. Um, I want to be in the posture of the crowd that's rejoicing and praising Jesus for the good life transformation in other yep. people's lives. Yeah. And I think for, for most of us, you're talking about the younger generation is there's not a celebration because there's a criticism. There's a, yeah, yeah, it's good, but it wasn't exactly perfect. You didn't nail it, and let me find some fault in that. And with social media and just the awareness that younger people now, just growing up, you're hyper-aware of everyone's highlights, and so you're comparing your life to the best of the best of other people's day and week and season in life, and then you're like, yeah, I don't measure up. What does Craig Rochelle say? He says you you compare your behind-the-scenes with everybody else's highlight reel. Mm-hmm. Yep, and so it's it's just a trap. There's no win there. It sure is. So that's why Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to get out and be with the people and watch me. Like, watch the goodness of God flow out. Uh, I love verses 35 through 38 because it's just what Jesus did over and over. It's like another highlight. Jesus went through all the towns and villages. He went on this preaching circuit, you know, through everywhere, teaching about the kingdom of God, preaching the good news about who God is, his love, his grace. Uh, And then he follows it up with just, the holistic approach that God has, healing every disease, all the sicknesses. He cast out more demons. Um, he helped communities live in more harmonious ways of loving each other and caring for each other. He elevated the status of women and children uh, to where it is. They're like, hey, we're all, you're all built in the image of God, so we need to not devalue women as property and children as disposable. Um, and so he just brought a wholeness to everybody. And he says, watch out. You know, as he saw these crowds, watch out, there's a real enemy. And, you know, he had compassion on them because they were 
They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They were under spiritual attack and understanding that. And he told his disciples to, gosh, my fields are ready for harvest. We need more people who are on the lookout each and every day as we're following Jesus to help people find him, turn their life to him, have a faith in him, and receive all of the goodness that God has for each and every one of us. So. Yep. There's a mission. We need more people on the mission uh, to accomplish the the amazing things. The more people with the compassion um, for the the people who are helpless that need a savior, and uh, let's help people find and follow Jesus. Yeah. All right. Well, that uh, kind of wraps it up for this week. Hope you have a great week following Jesus. We'll talk with you next time.